We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders, brought to you by Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. And get this if you don't turn a profit this week. Jock Market is running back their first market guarantee to cover your losses this week. So download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com. And use the code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, joined by the man behind the numbers and the wheels, the, the hamster wheels that are they're overdrive this week. Because they're going to have to keep on running different different things every seemingly every hour. It's uh, Stuart Gibson, and uh, and back for a, it's been the longest of time since the beginning of the year. Uh, it's uh, it's Brandon Adams. Who you're you're heading? Are you heading down for the DraftKings live final, or you're you're staying home? Uh, well, I live in Miami, and uh, I'm going to the hotel tonight, and uh, going to grab some some drinks with people and pick brains and do all that fun stuff. Well, it's going to be a very interesting live final slate for, uh, for you guys down there uh, because uh, this 11 game slate may turn into a nine game slate uh, right before we're recording where we're, we're looking, I'm, I'm scouring Twitter right now 
that uh, that the Seahawks Rams game is being potentially being moved to Tuesday, and so is uh, potentially the Washington and Philadelphia game. Uh, the Washington Philadelphia game is, I think, a little less notable based on the projections and ownerships that I see. But obviously, that Rams Seahawks game uh, is is big when it comes to like you take that game off the slate and like anything you see like ownership wise. Uh, right now, you might as well just throw out the window. Uh, the Rams were going to be one of the top targeted teams on the slate. But another another thing about this slate in general, uh, this is the first time I've seen this year that there is no game on this slate that has a 48 total or higher. Brandon, uh, I know you like targeting high total games because they're more correlative to to, to the fantasy points, ceiling fantasy outcomes. Uh is there anything that you do on, like, is there a difference? Like we have the Cardinals as the highest implied team total. Their game is 47 and a half. The lowest total game is 39 and a half. But is, do you change your approach any differently when, you know, if there were one or two games that were at 53 totals, do you just treat the highest total games as the highest total games? Or is the difference between a lot of these games not as dramatic since, 47 and a half isn't that dramatically different than 43, but like, that's the, that's like six other games on the slate. So you're more likely to, to go a little bit off the board or stay targeting these higher total games. Yeah. I think off the board is probably how I'll go this week. Um, This is a strange week for sure, because as you mentioned, we just got this news about the LA game. Cooper cup was going to be pretty popular. Um, but generally speaking, there weren't running backs to pay up for. Um, I, I would have expected some people to pay up for Najai Harris and, and Mixon, but they wouldn't have outsized ownership. And other than that, there aren't really attractive high dollar running backs. So it was really a high dollar receiver week. Um, and I think the way everyone is thinking about things now is. Um, <clears throat> You know that some low dollar running backs are going to come into play and we just don't know where that is yet. So I'm sort of penciling in five to six K for running back, knowing that uh, maybe it's Jeff Wilson again, maybe there are good, there's going to be some great value at the five to six K. We just don't know quite where it is yet. Um, and there are situations that could develop did, we could have uh, defensive players out for COVID becoming relevant for running back. Um, I think basically most people this week, if I were to guess, would be paying down at quarterback, paying down at running back, getting premium wide receivers, tending to get fairly expensive tight ends like Kittle, Knox, Gasicki, and then kind of paying up for defense. Well, would your approach be to do the opposite? Or I, I think that with the, the amount of five to six K running backs that are available, that, I mean, you could still be different enough at running back. The question comes in at wide receiver is that uh, with Cooper Cup off the slate, potentially, right? I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of half assuming that they're moving this game. So we, we had Cooper, we have Cooper Cup as the highest owned player on the slate in our current projections. DK Metcalf, very popular because Lockett 
is out due to COVID, but that may, he may not, he, they, maybe they play the game and he's, and he's, and he tests negative and he's able to play. So that may be a wrinkle on Sunday. If the game does play then, if you take these guys off the slate, does it just replace Cooper cup with, well, people will play Diggs and Adams and Deontay Johnson, uh, Debo Samuel. I'm not sure as much so, but there's really aren't like you mentioned, like the no top end running backs, but there aren't that many top end wide receivers in the seven K plus level that with Cooper cup gone, don't you think that like that construction is like, where, where are you going to, where are you going to be different at wide receiver? Or are you worried more about, you don't mind being similar at wide receiver, as long as you get some of these cheap running backs, right. And there may be 10 to 15 options. Yeah. Um, it will make a difference with no cup. I wasn't really going to pay up for Devontae Adams personally, but I think plenty of people will. Uh, Debo, Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Deontay Johnson, I think they will all be pretty popular. Um, and there are lots of great options, mid-tier wide receivers. Um, the real question is whether – pay down or pay up at quarterback, I think. Um, I suspect that these five to six K quarterbacks are likely to put up similar scores to um, your first tier quarterbacks this week. So I'm inclined to go that way. So is it to avoid Allen and Kyler Murray? Yeah. Well, it kind of seems like it, it kind of seems like Allen is maybe a bit hurt and um, is just playing because they could use the win for wild card survival. Um, and uh, I think he'll whatever play the whole game, but you wouldn't necessarily expect a ceiling performance. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, and if he I don't know. I think if they got it up to a two and a half touchdown lead, they're just going to sort of run the ball and coast. Um, personally, I don't think I'm going to pay up for him. I'd be more. What are you going to pay up for? I mean, you're, you're mentioning the cheaper running backs, cheaper quarterbacks. You have, you're not going to have that many options at high end wide receiver. Like, is this the type of slate? I, 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 I said on the pregame show, that with totals that are more bunched together, is it more beneficial or less beneficial? I think it's more to rely heavier on correlation than on trying to get all the one-offs right. Like, uh, like if there were like multiple 50 plus total games, like, you know, four 50 plus total games, it's like, well, I'd like to have a piece of all of this, but I don't see like games environments where it's like, oh, I need to have a piece of all of this am I much more likely in larger field GPPs to bet on one game going significantly over and just stacking the, the hell out of that? Just quarterback, two wide receivers, wide receiver backup, you know, run back and go like that. Or is this more of the slate where you want to find the, you want to find the one-off players because there just may not be many of them. Yeah, in general, I would agree with you that it's a correlation week. Um, 
The issue this week is it's not a great week for runbacks. I'll, I'll, I'll eagerly anticipate your ideas there. But no, uh, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, we have a lot of games that 10 point, 11 point favorites and not that great options on the other side. And it's not even that, that, that the, they're the 10 point plus favorites is that the projections on the guys on the other side of the ball aren't even that good to begin with. So it's not like a situation. We have a couple where some of these low total teams have like one guy that's like, okay, he's pretty decent. But for the most part, like I've been, I've been toying around building lineups. Uh, and I found that I've, I've been more likely to play. It's weird to say, especially for me to not to play stacks of teams that I don't have the quarterback of. So for instance, if I do play Kyler Murray plus Christian Kirk plus AJ green, don't run it back with Amon Ross St. Brown, but then find, I go to the Cowboys or something. I go to the bills and I play Beasley and Davis. So it's like, I'm playing a Josh Allen stack plus a Kyler Murray stack. It just, I'm only choosing one of the quarterbacks like that and bet on the teams and not be concerned, especially since the opportunity cost, I believe is going to be lower on this slate Cause we have lower total games that I don't mind taking two receivers or a running back and wide receiver from the same team. Even if I don't have the quarterback, because I just want to basically find two in my lineup. I want the two highest scoring teams in my lineup because the opportunity cost of like, well, there's going to be an outlier here and an outlier there. I just think it's so much lower on the slate with the game environments being, you know, so poor. So like that to me, that's, I'm more inclined to do that than worry that much about, you know, running it back with someone from the other side of the game. Yeah. I I'm with you there this week. Why don't, why don't we uh, experiment with the format and I'll, I'll give you some of the, uh, the team plays that I'm high on and you can, you can evaluate them. Okay. Plus and minus. Right. But Stuart overall, because I, I mean, there's no high total games to go over. So, I mean, we're going to go straight into pluses and minuses for this slate, but Stuart from an overall perspective, I know you've run the numbers with the current 11 games on the slate. What do you think the biggest change would be? If we take, a, I mean, I'm not a big, I don't, I don't think the Washington and Philadelphia is going to change that much, but definitely with the Rams Seahawks game, if that game comes off the slate, like what ends up being like the, the high percentage, is it, is it Buffalo? Is it, is it Buffalo and Arizona? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you'll probably get a mix of people splintering in one of two directions. Uh, you know, Buffalo figures to be the natural replacement uh, for Los Angeles, just with regards to like the uh, pricing structure of the quarterbacks, the top receiver, uh, and really the double stack option of like, you know, I think Van Jefferson and, you know, I think Beasley or um, Gabe Davis kind of, the, the you know, you, the, the, there feels like a kind of piece for piece replacement uh, between those two stacks. Uh, but I could also see people, yeah, just gravitating towards a, very different build from, from a pricing standpoint and like going towards Miami. Um, I could see Miami being fairly popular. So yeah, I mean, really, I think just the, uh, you know, Ram, Rams ownership in particular, I think, you know, we've got pretty decent ownership on Seattle, but I think most people will be stacking from, would be stacking from the Ram side. Um, yeah. I mean, I think ownership will condense around the teams that are most popular aside from, from that Ram stack. We're, we're showing Buffalo and Miami, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Arizona Detroit game could, could, you know, naturally pick up, uh, some steam as it's just the highest total on the slate and, you know, people that are interested in Los Angeles, uh, for, for their, you know, total and, and firepower or could, could gravitate towards Arizona Detroit as well. Um, as it stands right now, like we have that game showing up as a huge plus from both sides. Hard to say how that will shift around, you know, following updating for, for, you know, these possible game cancellations. Um, and we got, then we got that news right now. I mean, I'm, as we're recording, Adam Schefter's reporting that both those games, Seahawks and Rams, Washington at Eagles are both are now being expected to be rescheduled for Tuesday. So based okay. on DraftKings and FanDuel's, uh, you know, contest rules, uh, some people I see on Twitter are asking, you know, oh, are they still count towards the Sunday slate? Well, in their rules, like any game needs to be completed within 24 hours of the, of the game period, whatever they consider the contest period. So uh, that would be, yeah. that would be a no. And unless they do something special for this, uh, they're, they're most likely, by the time you listen to this, if you go into your app or into the desktop, you'll probably see, you know, red PPD markers on both of yeah. these games. So now that there are nine games on the slate, Stuart, you, you would, would you consider uh, Arizona at Detroit to be now we're, we're talking obviously in comparison to ownership and we're not sure how ownership's really going to change now with these two games off the slate, but you still, even with the slight bump to them, do you have Arizona at Detroit as, as a plus key? Yeah. I mean, as of now, look, I, I tend to have a pretty numbers oriented approach. So, um, you know, I think my, my thoughts will solidify after updating the numbers, but one, so one thing I think that is worth noting is like one thing I'm looking at uh, just early in these shows and kind of looking at my spreadsheet that we post uh, over the weekend. It's like, our, is our preference to seek to be overweight on pop? Like are, are the kind of high ROI teams that are appearing in the top 1% of simulations at a outsized proportion, are they teams that are popular that we are suggesting should be more popular or is it teams that are uh, middling or, or unpopular that, that we uh, feel are actually worth a strong look? So as it stands right now, and like in previous weeks, I think we've actually been pretty high on some of the, chalkier stacks like we've been high in tampa bay uh in recent weeks they've been fairly chalky but our numbers have suggested that maybe not chalky enough or not owned enough as it stands right now we are fairly low on really the three teams or sides that figure to garner the most ownership that is miami buffalo and again these numbers are run assuming los angeles is in uh showing more preference for some of these middling uh even low owned stacks I do wonder as that Los Angeles game gets broken up uh, a bit more, if, um, you know, if we project that ownership will kind of scatter evenly across teams such that the ownership on some of these under-owned or low-owned stacks kind of comes up, could see that, you know, bolstering uh, maybe the viability of some of these high-owned stacks. Uh, But if if it shakes out where we're, we're working in the assumption that, you know, this Los Angeles game will get kind of splintered on some of the higher owned stacks and, you know, could even, I guess, add more viability to some of these under owned stacks. Um, as of right now though, yeah, Detroit, Arizona looks like a plus to me from really both sides. Uh, Detroit is going to get next to no ownership uh, and we're projecting decent value. Uh, 
uh, Arizona should get a good bit of ownership uh, coming into the show under the assumption of Los Angeles playing. We had them as kind of the fourth most popular stack behind uh, Buffalo, LA, and Miami. Uh, we'll be interested to see kind of how that, um, how our like ROI and top 1% simulation outcomes change, uh, assuming that Arizona gets a good bit more ownership. But uh, yeah, as it's, as not, I don't want to say as it stands now, because like you said, you know, the game is canceled, but um, under the current set of projections and simulation parameters, uh, yeah, we, we tend to like uh, this game for, from both sides. Brandon, being that uh, kind of a cognitive dissonance here in a way, uh, you talk about wanting to spend down a quarterback more more often on this slate. Kyler Murray has uh, as high of a ceiling as anyone else, especially with the his his rushing ability. With the fact that Cooper Cup is no longer on the slate, do you do you view Arizona stacks on DraftKings to be plus versus ownership, being that he may have the highest ceiling, but maybe more people gravitate towards this stack because if if Cooper if you're not going to play Cooper Cup and you're not going to play Devontae Adams and you're not going to pay for Najee Harris, like people are just going to have money to spend at quarterback. And if you're going to spend money at quarterback, you're, it's probably going to be Allen or, or Kyler. Do you, do you have Arizona as a plus stack? And if you do, were you would you consider anyone on the Detroit side being that they're pretty much going unowned? Yeah, my opinion there is that Kyler and, and Kirk are both very attractive plays. Um, and I think that that simple Kyler to Kirk connection will be uh, very popular. So my inclination would be if you're playing that game, try to come up with some unique variation. Um, and that's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable, whether it's St. Brown coming back or um, possibly like Kyler to Edmonds to Kirk. Or You don't uh, like A.J. Green? A.J. Green's not good enough for you? Well, um, Stuart, do you have the, the uh, correlations on hand between uh, Kirk and Green and Kirk and Moore and Moore and Green? I don't have it in front of me. I can pull it up in probably 60 seconds. I know historically Kirk, uh, Kirk Murray have had strong correlation, but I mean, it's somewhat tough because like with Hopkins out of this game, I do think the dynamic shifts a decent bit between how uh, Kyler relates to um, these different uh, receivers, you know, like um Kirk, Kirk in kind of this slot, like wide receiver two role, I think is different from, I guess what we assume Kirk will be wide receiver one. Um, so I, I, it does feel like a tough week to uh, use like Arizona correlations, just given that, that it's, it's somewhat of a different roster, different scheme players are going to re relate to one another in slightly different ways uh, that, than we usually see. How comfortable would you feel with the, the, uh, Edmonds, Kirk, Kyler play? Um, yeah, I mean, I think like Edmonds with Kyler makes some degree of sense given that, you know, James, like typically Kyler Connor is the combination that I'm, you know, really seeking to avoid uh, because 
you know, that so much of their productivity comes in this goal line, uh, essentially this cannibalistic goal line uh, competition that they have for one another. Uh, looking back to 2019, we've got a positive uh, kind of middling but positive correlation between Edmonds and, and Kyler, uh, suggesting that, you know, they might not be quite as competitive to one another as where uh, Connor and Kyler have negative 0.35 correlation, suggesting you know, not really viable pairs. Um, let's see, I could pull. What up. makes me interested is the, the two games that started the season where Arizona put up high point totals and you had eight targets and five targets for Edmonds. Those. Um, yeah, sure. Week two and week three, something like, I mean, playing, playing Jacksonville, um sort of the type of game you would hope this to be if you play Arizona kind of a walkover game where Arizona puts up a lot of points um you'd kind of hope that Kirk just does whatever he wants and and it's one of those kind of six to eight reception games for Edmonds where he scores a TD and gets 100 yards um I don't know and then would you would you try to do a a bring back on that one or would you just hope hope that Arizona is productive and leave it at that? Yeah, so our, our numbers are well, we don't we're not projecting great value for the Detroit side, but um, I don't know. I mean, if if you're stacking like a big Kyler Kirk Edmonds or uh, you know Kyler Kirk Moore Green or something like that, like. I, I don't see Arizona as being so pass happy the way like Buffalo is that, you know, they're, they're going to be likely to air the ball out if not pushed um, a decent bit. And I don't know, you know, with no Hawkinson with no uh, Swift in the, in the game, like there, there are a lot of vacated targets uh, available to some of these cheap Detroit receivers, I guess, like St. Brown and Reynolds, their price is not as cheap as it, you know, was uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, but my, my inclination would be to take a shot on one of these Detroit guys if doing an Arizona stack. Uh, either St. Brown or Reynolds, I think, would probably be the, uh, the direction I would look at as a bring-back option. So, Brandon, yeah. uh, other than this game, because, I mean, obviously you are interested in this. Stewart has this as a plus. I personally have this as a plus. Of course, this is when I had it with, you know, the Rams on the slate. Uh, what's another game that you're targeting that you would consider a plus from an expectation versus ownership perspective? Um, well, I like Miami and Jacksonville quite a bit as stacks. Okay, but I mean, Miami, I, I think Miami may be the most owned stack that there's. So Tua plus Parker plus Gazicki. Maybe you could even have Gaskin in there. You play Tua Gaskin plus Parker. I mean, I'm assuming that's what you're going for, but I agree with you from an expectation standpoint. My only concern is that I think, I think it's going to be that combination is going to be very heavily, heavily owned and maybe rightfully so. But I, I think that this Parker ownership at 4,300, I mean, it may get up to 30 plus percent and, I'm never, I'm never that thrilled to play 30% owned wide receivers on slates, but apparently, uh, I mean, 
Is it a plus from you from expectation? Or are you just thinking that the ownership won't be as heavy as I think it will be? There? Um, I think it's a great play all around in expectation, correlation, and uh, ownership is the question. But <clears throat> that exact combo to uh, Parker Gasicki, I don't know. There were like... Is, uh, is, Waddle, is Waddle certainly not going to be able to make it back in time? Or, um, Waddle, yeah, that he did. They tend to think that if it's in the week, they won't be cleared until the next week. But Waddle is an interesting case where it was so early that it seems, it seems possible, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. He's probably well, out, but he could possibly be in. As it stands right now, under the assumption that he's out, we have the Miami game as a, a pretty strong uh, minus, just given the ownership, um, which feels, you know, weird because like the Jets are, are obviously a team that you know you, you want to attack, just given how weak they are on defense. Um, but yeah, at the huge ownership, um, we we don't have the strongest grade uh, on Miami. Um, Jordan, do you see this as a plus or minus in any one direction? I, I have it as the biggest minus on the entire slate because I think Miami, especially now with the Rams gone, I think Miami will be the highest owned. St- I think Miami will be one. I think Buffalo, Buffalo will be yeah. two. And I think Arizona will be three. And I think people will get duped into playing like a Michael Carter at 4,700 or a Jameson Crowder at 5,000 like as a run back in these, like in these Miami stacks. I mean, from a value perspective, my, but the dolphin stack is the best on the slate. I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not saying that they're bad from an expectation standpoint. I'm just expecting them to be very heavily owned and yeah, you can still play them and get different elsewhere in your lineup. That's perfectly fine. But I think on a slate with uh, so many bunched up totals, I'd rather not be on one of the chalkier stacks. And if I'm going to be on one of the chalkier stacks, I'm going to be on a stack with Josh Allen. I'm going to be a stack with Kyler. I'm going to be on a stack with a quarterback that is more likely to put up 40 points than, than Tua in my lineup. And then I could get, I could get different elsewhere by not playing seven K wide receivers. I could find five K and six K wide receivers to play. So to me, it's an, to me, it's an ownership thing than anything. I think that the Rams game and the Eagles game being off the slate brings more people to Miami because it's the it's the most obvious cheap stack. The one that I I prefer is what Brandon pointed out with the Jaguars. Uh, and this is especially true with Carlos Hyde being out. Okay. It's coming from my game theory point of view. Uh, I believe James Robinson is going to be one of the highest owned running backs on the slate at 5,400. Urban Meyer ain't there anymore. Okay. So that actually helped that that their total actually went up. Right. So that's how bad of a coach he was. Uh, I think people will look at the Jacksonville passing attack and think it's a trap, but I don't think that the Jacksonville passing attack versus the Houston Texans is that, is that dramatically worse than Miami's passing attack with the same types of receivers. Why can't I play Lawrence 
plus Marvin Jones, plus James O'Shaughnessy. Fill that tight end spot. And then I can go wherever I want. I don't, I don't think any of these guys are going to be double-digit owned. And if James Robinson is going to get 20-plus percent ownership, the natural leverage off of James Robinson would be to play the Jacksonville passing game. But also at James Robinson's price, it's 5,400. I have no problem playing Lawrence plus Robinson plus one of the receivers, Chenault or Jones. And in this type of game, garbage versus garbage, playing Brandon Cooks on the other side or David Johnson on the other side. Like I like attacking when two bad teams play against each other because they're not just bad on offense. They're also bad on defense. And on a slate where we don't have the highest of totals, taking a chance on a lower total 42 type of total game. I mean, I think it's even, I think maybe the lowest on the slate. Yeah. It's the low. It's about 40 on the slate. Like if this game goes 52, like all these pieces are cheap and like the opportunity cost isn't that, isn't that bad. Brandon, do you, do you have a similar opinion on this? Cause you did mention Jacksonville after Miami. Yeah. I like Jacksonville and uh, San Francisco. Um, Jacksonville, I think it will, it will be um, possibly somewhat popular, but people will not have the same stacks because there's so many ways you can go. Um, and I'm not sure what my preference is. I, I guess you could punt tight ends. There's enough targets there with Shaughnessy. Um, and then just kind of pick your favorite Treadwell, Treadwell stands out. Um, and then kind of get more premium wide receivers and running backs. So I, I, I kind of like that play. I can't decide which one I like more, the Jacksonville play or um, Garoppolo has been been good. He's, he's passing the eye test and the data test, and um, they have a nice total. So um, you could be a little different just doing Garoppolo and then pick your combo. Um, I think you have to play Kittle if you're playing Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, but it's not completely insane to just pay very highly and do Kittle and Debo. Um, it's a lot for the offense, but it's, it could quite possibly be good. Obviously Kittle's never going to hurt you at the tight end spot. And, um, you're just banking on them, putting up sort of 27 to 30 points. So Stewart, what are you, what are your thoughts on Jacksonville first off? Yeah, we we've got a relatively strong score on them. If we remove Seattle, we 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 liked a good bit, but if we remove Seattle, we see Jacksonville as you know a top five or so uh, team from a uh, ROI and you know propensity to appear in the top one percent. Um, you know, all, all the stuff kind of described going to be super low ownership, leverage off Robinson have have a good matchup against Houston uh yeah I mean obviously like you know I'm just just looking at kind of the macro parameters like it's a lower total game uh the 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 Jags have a lower implied total than Miami but I think you're making up for that in terms of uh the the you know dollar pricing on on these guys and also the uh ownership you know uh premium that you're going to be paying on Miami so yeah we we like Jacksonville a good bit uh my plus Dallas Cowboys. Sure. 
Uh, I think from a meeting perspective, they don't project that well. From a meeting perspective, Dak Prescott's 6,500. He's in that weird range, right? Most people will be going down in the 5K range or going up to Allen or Murray. Then we got like, are people, people are going to be playing digs? They're going to be playing Deontay Johnson, that kind of range. And CeeDee Lamb sitting there at 7,400. Amari Cooper, 6,400. Like these guys are not like cheap. Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup. But from a ceiling perspective, they've, the Cowboys have a great ceiling. They're facing the Giants. Uh, and uh, the Giants are horrible. And I have no problem even, you know, this, if this game shoots out or something, with running it back with, you know, Barkley or Shepard or something like that on the other side. Uh, but compared to the ownership, to ceiling, because if I try to make these lineups, like just using the median projection, they don't come out that well. But using the ceiling projections, they come out just as well as like San Francisco or something. So pairing Dak with like CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz or, you know, like, I can mix it around. Even Gallup at fifty five hundred. That's a little bit. That's a little bit steep. But like, I've I've no problem because I, I I just don't see Dallas getting ownership. I mean, even with the Rams off the slate, even with the, it now being a nine game slate, I just think that that Buffalo, Arizona, Miami. Uh, I, I mean, I think Jacksonville will be more owned. I think, I think, uh, quite possibly Green Bay may be more owned. Or something like that. And Dallas is sitting there with nearly a 28 implied total. If I get the right guys, who says that Dallas can't put up 40 points this game? So, so Stuart, do you have do you have Dallas's positive leverage? Yeah, we, we have them as the top uh you know, top play from kind of a ownership cost uh correlation and both positive and negative standpoint. So um yeah, I mean I think everything you said, right? Like they're you know a top five or so implied total aside from Elliot I think all, all the guys were, were both projecting a single digit ownership uh and like I get it I mean it's the, the, I, I see Dallas as kind of like a, a T- Tampa Bay-esque in previous weeks in that they um are fairly expensive there's this perception that there are a lot of mouths to feed and I don't think it's like an incorrect perception like there are you know with, with kind of the three receivers all healthy uh, Pollard being down, I don't see as like hugely significant to, to kind of the passing work that these receivers are going to get. Um, yeah. And like, it is slightly different. Like Tampa Bay is so pass heavy that, um, you know, it, it feels more comfortable, but uh, yeah, I mean, just given the slate where there's not really any super high total games or, you know, values that are popping in like a huge way, like, you know, the, the goalposts are kind of moved a bit and uh, yeah, of course there's, uncertainty with kind of picking the right two guys i think for small field tournaments it probably would be difficult to go dak uh gallup amari and cd all in one lineup but you know certainly could do uh you know three three cowboys if you kind of i guess well i mean even gallup's expensive at 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 five five so maybe looking at schultz uh, might be one of the only viable kind of third cowboy receiver options but um yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, super strong uh, ceiling, not great from a medium perspective. You know, they're, they're I think pre- all those guys are pretty efficiently priced. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a slate where there's just like a not not a lot of uh, great games, and 
you know, this figures to be kind of one of the better ceiling spots uh, on the slate, certainly with, with LA uh, off. So yeah, I'm right there with you at Dallas, like them a lot. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with running back uh, a, a Giants guy. Like, you know, I, some of these, some of these teams like Buffalo or Tampa Bay or Kansas city that are so pass heavy, I don't really feel like you have to get pressure, uh, I guess on, you know, Kansas city or Tampa Bay or whatever to, to get them to pass Dallas, you know, can be kind of slow if they're playing from ahead. So uh feel like th their ceiling is most likely achieved with some opposition from uh, Dallas. So I'm sorry, from, from the giants. So yeah, looking at Shepard, you know, looking at Saquon as a bring back, uh, I, I think makes a good bit of sense uh, in this game. Brandon, your thoughts on the Cowboys. Do you agree with both of us? Um. Or you think it's too first expensive? of all first of all um what do we what do we have as the updated uh cooper lamb correlation um can pull it up real quick so dating back to lamb's rookie season we've got plus 0.167 over 26 27 games so you know uh modestly positive i mean i consider that more or less neutral like you know in a 27 game sample point positive you know 0.16 is not super strong but not you know not negative either like just kind of seem to, to to operate more or less independently of one another um cooper's best game uh over the last two years really really came uh looks like opening weekend this year against tampa bay where he put up you know 42 lamb 26 uh yeah so we've got a we've got a small cluster of games where both those guys have have kind of combined for 50 plus uh even 60 plus uh fantasy points together which on a slate like this you know i think you'd be perfectly happy getting 60 point 50 60 points out of you know your wide your double stacked receivers yeah um i think it's probably a good play i guess i guess if i were to note my hesitations um, there, there are a, an uncomfortable number of ways you can go in terms of pairings. Um, so you could kind of call the Cowboys right. And of course, very likely get the wrong mix of players. Um, I think it's possible that Dak is injured, um, I think that incentive-wise, this is the type of year where, as a tiebreaker, you want teams that have a very strong incentive to push. Um, the Cowboys are going to easily win the NFC East. There's no reason to push anyone. The incentive would generally be to slow down once they got a comfortable lead and just sort of eat clock and not risk your players. Um, I question the ability of the Giants to push back without Daniel Jones. Um, I don't know. So I have a lot of I have a lot of general hesitation with the situations. Um, That's where the ownership is going there. I mean, I I have the same exact hesitations as you. I agree with everything you said. But should, should that mean that Ceedee Lamb is four percent owned and Amari Cooper is single digit owned and Dak is five percent? Like, yes, compared to the probability of success, like. Like, yes, it's lower than these other games, but should it be that low in comparison? Yeah, 
I, really, I, that's the question we're trying to figure out. Because, like, I could agree with everything that you've said, but there's still a percentage chance that the Dallas Cowboys go out and put up 50 points on Sunday. Just depends on what that what that probability is and what the field is going to do. And I just feel like the Cowboys are going to be nowhere close, especially at their prices. People are just most rather just going to play other games or play vomit stacks instead of paying up for this type of lineup that to me, I'm willing to give it a shot at this. At, at, I'm assuming this, this, even with cup out and Metcalf out, like none of this Cowboys ownership is really going to move much. I mean, I don't see people clamoring to play, pay Amari Cooper at 6,400, CeeDee Lamb at 7,400 and Dak Prescott at 6,500 or Dalton Schultz at the tight end spot. It's just like, it's just, it's a team with nearly with a 28 t- implied total that essentially is going to be single digit owned as a stack. And, how do I how do I say no to that? Yeah, I do. Just, to, just to be uh, contrary, um, San Francisco they are fighting for their life. They have a total that is the same or slightly higher. Um, you can more naturally stack. You for sure you're playing Kittle, and you could play Debo and Kittle or Ayuk and Kittle, probably Debo and and Kittle. Um, And then Atlanta is more likely to push back. um, And you don't really have to stack the other side because to be honest, whatever Atlanta piece causes them to be competitive is not going to be owned, whether it's Cordell or Gage or Pitts or whatever, like no one, no one is going to be playing them for the most part. I mean, I, of course, I'm thinking in terms of the 200-person field, but um, <clears throat> I think I think San Francisco for me is preferred. But I'd like to hear the uh, the count. No, no, I I I'm I'm with you on that. It just I I prefer the Dallas side. Just the San the San Francisco stacks. It's it's a weird way of putting it because San Francisco is much is more condensed. The stack combination is going to be similar. Yet I'm more likely to get a unique combination out of Dallas for the same ownership. Is that that's got a weird? It's 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 I'm almost arguing for the fact that the Cowboys have a lot of mouths to feed, and that naturally causes people to avoid them more than try to stack different combinations of them. Yet if someone decides on going to San Francisco, like it's pretty. I mean, you're pretty much playing Garoppolo plus two of Samuel Kittle and Ayuk. And so if I believe that there'll be an equal amount of San Francisco lineups versus an equal amount of Dallas lineups, I think for the same ownership, the combinatorics of the Dallas lineups give that, that tiebreaker edge of, well, they're going to be, since there are more Cowboys combinations, my Cowboy combination is going to be, is going to be less owned as a group compared to the San Francisco and you, I, I, you're nodding Stuart. Yeah. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, it's like if, if you think Cowboy stacks will account for 10% of the field, but the, that 10% will be split off, you know, split out by four to five different combinations. That's, you know, each individual combination is going to be roughly similar to a San Francisco stack that, you know, maybe only accounts for like two to 3% of the field, but is probably going to be Garoppolo Kittle or Garoppolo Kittle Debo. Um, I do um, like we we take a pretty algorithmic approach, and I could see Dallas being kind of the pet uh, pet stack that that gets uh, 
you know, pushed and promoted uh, as the weekend nears. I feel like, you know, every weekend there's kind of that, that one stack that comes in at a bit higher ownership than anticipated, not because of, uh, you know, how, how they're being projected across the industry, but just because there's kind of a, um, you know, a bit of a, uh, uh, I don't want to say organized. I think people kind of independently come to similar uh, conclusions about some of these, uh, some of these teams. And, you know, I could see Dallas being that team that gets uh, steamed a bit going into the weekend. Um, but no, I, yeah, we, we still have them super strong. Yeah. Brandon, are, are there any games on this slate that you're just completely avoiding? Um, completely avoiding. Uh, like we have this that Tennessee Pittsburgh game that we haven't mentioned. We also have Cincinnati and Denver. We also have the Green Bay Baltimore game. Like you say, you're not going to probably play Adams. Are you like avoiding that game completely then? Um, I might play some Devonta Freeman in that game. There are a bunch of games where I'll play like one player, I think. Like for the Denver game, it's like maybe Mixon. For the Baltimore game, it's like maybe Devonta. Um, so more of the, the running backs. Yeah. But not necessarily the passing attack. Yeah. You're not going to take a shot on Julio Jones? Uh, no, no Julio Jones for me. <laughs> 5,400. Maybe he gets there. That is, that is a good price. Uh, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of good prices uh, right there. It's Kirk obviously is a far better play. And, uh, he'll be popular. I, th- I feel like there's a lot of ways to go in the mid range there. Are there any other games on the slate that we have not talked about that you either have a tidbit plus or minus on? Um, well, I would like to explore that Jacksonville game a, li- a, a little bit more. Um, I, I think, uh, what do we think about James Robinson pros and cons for having him in the, in the stacks? Do we I like- think he, I think he's going to catch it. Uh, is he's pro- from what it looks like? I mean, what running backs do they have? I mean, what's your preference? Um, like, let's just say James Robinson and Treadwell or Shaughnessy and Treadwell. I'd rather have, I'd rather fill a tight end spot. I think there's enough running backs on this. Like if we go to like all running backs that the thing that I'm, I'm viewing is that like, we got to, we got running backs to play like nothing that stands out, but still like James Robinson may be one of the more owned running backs. So like if I have a chance to have a James Robinson dud game, but Trevor Lawrence throws three touchdowns, like I want to take advantage of that more so, but James Robinson is still at a price at 5,400. He will catch balls out of the backfield that if Jacksonville puts up 28 points, this game, at 5,400, James Robertson could still have 18 points, 22 points, and be perfectly fine. It's, 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 to me, I think you could go in either direction. I see the case in not playing James Robinson in the stack. And I see the case, I think from an expectation standpoint, he probably makes more sense in the stack, right? They get a higher value that way. But from a, from a game theory ownership perspective, I think you gain more by, having James Robinson fail because the Jacksonville running game fails and all of the touchdowns come via, via the path. You want Trevor Lawrence to have a, a 303 type of game. And I think that happens more so. And 
that Marvin Jones and Treadwell and Chenault benefit from that more so than James Roberts. Yeah, I like that. Um, what, uh, I don't know how many minutes we have, but uh, let's go into running back for a second if you guys want to. Sure, what are your thoughts on running back in, in, in general? I, I think things are likely to change a good bit. There will be some 5K guy that emerges, whether it's Jeff, Jeff Wilson or what have you. But um, I think there, there are some clear great plays at 5 to 6K. You've got like Wilson, Foreman, Robinson, Freeman, Gaskin. Well, Michelle's out of the out now. Uh, all sort of good plays, five to six k, and then um, up top, it seems to me just Mixon and Harris. And I think both of those players will be pretty popular. Our stuff really likes Mixon as just a ceiling relative to ownership guy. Um, you know, we see uh, we see Mixon and Harris as having quite similar ceilings. Uh, Harrison or Harris, I think will get a, a good bit more ownership than Mixon. Um, so, so he, he's a guy that's really standing out, uh, for us, uh, at the running back position. And as kind of, I'm running through optimals getting, uh, and kind of skewing our projections based on ownership, uh, getting a lot of Mixon in lineups. So, so like that spot a good bit. Uh, but he doesn't, he certainly doesn't feel like, uh, you know, a guy I'd be interested in stacking with Burrow as were some of these running backs. I will say the kind of preferred running back uh, QB stack options, there, there are very few on this slate. And I think, you know, I, I've been trying to do a good bit of this year, like Fournette, Brady, or Eckler, um, Herbert and stuff. And yeah, I mean, uh, like Barkley is a stackable running back, but I'm just not really interested in playing Mike Glennon. Um, you know, I guess Aaron Jones maybe could be someone that you'd be interested in stacking with Rogers, but at kind of the expense of price, he's just, it, it, there's just like not too many of these running backs that I, I am eager to stack with their quarterbacks uh, on this slate. So I, I don't know. Uh, I know in previous weeks, Jordan, we've talked a bit about ways to differentiate popular stacks with the running backs, but whether it be like LA or Tampa Bay or, um, you know, even like using Swift as a bring back type running back. Um, but yeah, are there any running backs this week that you see as kind of viable stacking considerations or mostly just thinking about them as one-off plays or, you know, maybe secondary correlations where you're, you're kind of doing running back versus opposing receiver or tight end? Now, the only two that really stand out to me are, are James Robinson and Miles Gaskin. Like, yeah. I mean, Tua plus Gaskin plus Gazicki, and you forego Parker. And you hope Parker kind of fails at you know thirty plus percent ownership. I, I could see I could see doing a Miami stack that way maybe, right? But I mean I'm not I mean I don't think this I don't I do not think this is a good running back. It just so happens that we have a lot of like Matt running backs in the same range and nothing. I mean I'm just I'm not excited about playing any of these and any anyone. Truthfully, at the wide receiver position, I'm not excited about playing any of them. I'm not excited about playing the slate. It's a nine game slate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and nothing stands out as like, I'm not that thrilled about playing, but, uh, but it, but it is, but it is the fantasy playoffs, you know, even though, you know, we got games being moved and everything, 
and Brandon, you're you're down in Miami, so you'll 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 good. I could wish you good luck because I'm not in in the contest. I always have a pet peeve about wishing people good luck when I'm in the contest with them because I don't want them to have good luck. What about so, uh, what about cheap running backs? Who are your favorite uh, cheap running backs? Like forty five hundred to fifty five hundred. I have no idea. I, I I go by the numbers. I whatever fits in my lineups. I don't know. I mean, we don't even know who's going to play at this point. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, the guys that stick out to me are James Robinson, Eli Mitchell, Miles Gaskin, David Johnson. You know, I mean, it, it, look at who we're talking about. Like that doesn't sound all that appealing. I mean, none of these guys sound that appealing. Deonta Foreman, 6,200. How do you do that? And some of these guys aren't even on the slate anymore. Cause I would have said like Daryl Henderson, maybe, but I mean, it's whatever fit. I mean, it's not stack related. It's just going to be what, whatever running backs fit in my lineups. That's just, that, that's typically who I play. I just spread them out. Like I'm more likely on this slate to be, you know, play four stacks, four teams, and then my running back positions, I'm more inclined to play uh, four wide receiver lineups on the slate way more uh, than anything else. And just the two running back slots are just whatever fits, set a cap on like 20% and go, I don't want more than one out of five of my lineups to have this guy in it. And just whatever fits, whatever fits. I know, I know that's, that's, that, that's not actionable strategy, but nothing stands out to me. So it's like any, any one of these guys could be, could get you there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced that there's there's going to be any running back on the slate that has 25 <laughs> points at all to begin with. So at that point, what would just rotate him in and hopefully you get the right combination. Yeah, I think on some weeks where there's been far better running back value, like you, I think it was probably pretty sharp to say like maybe lock in Sony Michelle or you know only restrict your running back pool to like two or three of you know, five or six guys. And like, I don't know, this week, probably not going to put any sort of optimizer restrictions on running back, you know, just let it, like you said, let it, let it feel, let it fill how kind of the numbers you fit. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, just as pretty long weak. as you don't vomit at the, at the output, because you'll look and you go, okay, I guess I'm running with this lineup with Chuba Hubbard in it. I mean, it's just, it, well, what makes him any better than Zeke Elliott or Javante Williams or any like they, the running back position is mostly efficiently priced. So like whatever yeah. fills in, fills in, but, uh, but Stuart, you, you'll, you'll have, uh, I, I'm assuming you're going to have to, whatever you were planned for the sub stack, you're going to have to rewrite yeah. or right well, after the show. <laughs> well, I haven't, I, I just, the way the week was shaping out, there's no way I was going to do this today. I'm going to let, uh, let some of the stuff play out. Um, I also have to catch up on what I have missed in the last like hour or two. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put it out tomorrow. Um, I think that should be the best way to do it because I just don't want to be writing it Sunday morning, but we'll, we'll try to do an update, uh, Sunday morning, at least on like the table and simulations. Uh, cause man, I just expect, um, expect a handful of these guys to, you know, and even like some of these guys that, that are on the COVID list, I could see some of them, you know, surprised getting ruled back in, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll try and you know that that stuff is significant. Um, certainly, if the player themselves is significant, like you know, if Waddle gets ruled back in, I feel like it, it kind of can change the dynamic of how we're thinking about Miami. You know, all of a sudden, um, yeah, I don't know. So 
I, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of get something out tomorrow with the state of things um, as of Friday night, Saturday morning. And then, yeah, we'll try to do a final run uh, Sunday morning. It, it, probably not rewrite the article, but at the very least, uh, update the table and, yeah, try to tweet it out with some some basic notes uh, about what has changed uh, if, if things get shaken up in a significant way, which right. seems likely. And you can follow the Advanced Sports Analytics account, AS Analytics DFS on Twitter. Uh, Brandon, good good luck. Good luck uh, in the in the final. What's first place? Two point five million. Two point five, yeah. Okay, how many? I mean, you got 200, 200 competitors. It's been very much. Uh not not my type of season i don't i don't know it would seem since we think about things somewhat similarly uh it would not have been your type of season either so i'm i'm hoping uh for massive reversion uh to my way of thinking this this week we'll see how that goes how many entries do you got in there one two three three i got them all relatively early and and uh yeah three three shots at a 200 that's not that bad it's not bad. <laughs> so I guess we're rooting for the Jaguars, the, the Dolphins, and uh, the 49. Well, I find in these things you, you have to, like, not go out Saturday night and trust your, trust your last-minute judgment calls and be prepared to uh, throw your beloved lineups in the trash. So I, I think that's <laughs> going to be my approach this week. All right, just last minute, right? before Right, you have 10 minutes before lock. Also, you may have be forced to do that. We may have people on the inactive report that are actually active that we thought weren't going to be active, right? Or people that are on the inactives that actually test positive for COVID and can't play 90 minutes to the game. Yeah, and these things, you always have your sweats and your anti-sweats. Your primary anti-sweat is all of the lineups that you pivoted off of that that you have written down. You're like, please don't smash. Okay, well, well, we'll we'll check we'll check on uh, what happens uh, over the weekend. And, and obviously, we have games during we get games on weekdays now. Next week, have a bunch of showdowns, showdowns, two game slates. Uh, but we'll be we'll be back uh, next week to go over the next Sunday slate, assuming that football is being played. Right, this may be the last time you ever watch NFL football again. The world is coming to an end yet again. Uh, but but until next time, this has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders dot com.